Thank you, guys. Great uh, thought. Great song. You know, I don't really believe the biggest problem is that people who are called to the mission field don't go, though that's a problem. I really believe the problem is we don't really even care what goes on around us. That's the biggest problem. And I would to God he would stir our hearts and... Um, and people living in a dump. People selling sloths and monkeys and lizards along the edge of the road just to have food. We really, uh, it's about time our heart got warmed up. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Zechariah 9. Zechariah 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one near you. We'll be on page 694, Zechariah chapter 9. Paul told the Corinthian believers to flee from idolatry. And those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are commanded to flee from idolatry. Which simply means there should not be anyone or anything we admire, love, reverence, or worship more than God, our Creator, the God of the Bible. And in light of that, we're working through a 21-message series uh, that I've called Learn of Him to Flee from Idolatry. Last week, we talked about our Creator being love. God is love. And God doesn't love us because we behave. He doesn't love us because we believe. God doesn't love us because we first loved Him. God loves us because God is love. God's love is not manifested in how our life is going. God's love is not manifested whether we are facing difficulties and adversities and problems. God's love was manifested far long ago on a skull-shaped hill outside of Jerusalem when the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins there on that middle cross. And we talked about God's love not just being for the world, though God does so love the world. God loves us as individuals. We talked about God's love not being just words. God's love for us is an action. Now, God's love is seeking sinners of all sorts. It's not God's holiness and justice that is pursuing you. It is God's love pursuing you, whether you're lost or whether you're away from Christ this morning. And we also talked about how we should love one another because if you're a Christian, a true Christian, uh, God lives in your heart and the person of the Holy Spirit and the God who is love lives in you, and when we yield to him, we will love one another more like we are supposed to do. Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, though there be many that are called gods, there is but one God. And though there is one God, the world into which Moses in the Old Testament uh, came, they were filled with many that were called gods. There was a pantheon of gods and of the Chaldees, when Abram was called out of there to the land God promised. And there was a pantheon of gods in Canaan in the land Abraham came to. There was a pantheon of gods in Egypt when Moses went there to deliver Israel from slavery. There were also many gods in Canaan at that time when the Israelites arrived there 40 years after being delivered from Egypt. Thing of it is, is that many living in Chaldea and Canaan and Egypt sincerely followed and sincerely believed in those they called gods. 
But sincerely believing that 2 plus 2 is 5 doesn't make it true any more than sincerely believing in Baal or Ra makes them a god. It is not the sincerity of our belief that makes something true. It is consistency with the written words of God that makes something true. Your sincere beliefs and my sincere beliefs do not change the truth. And though there are many purposes for the Bible, the most important purpose for the Bible is for God to reveal himself to man. The complexity of creation bears witness to a great creator. But if we want to know what that creator is like, we can't learn that from creation. We must look in the Bible where our creator has revealed himself to us. Unfortunately, most people don't look in the Bible to figure out what Jesus was like or to learn what Jesus said. That is the real Jesus. They create an image of Jesus in their own mind. It's often an idolatrous image that doesn't at all resemble who he really was. And so because there are so many that are called gods in our world, and because of man's prideful tendency to create a God that we like, I want to spend a few months of Sunday mornings talking about who God has revealed himself to be. I want us to learn of him so we can flee from idolatry. And I know that I desire the echo of most people here this morning when I say my desire is to believe and to follow and love God as he really is. In some ancient Hindu writings called the Puranas, there are hundreds of gods. In the main writings of the Hindus called the Vedas, there are 33 gods. Among those the Hindus consider to be gods, the three most powerful are Vishnu and Shiva and Brahma. And according to them, Brahma is the head of all their gods. He's commonly depicted as a bearded man with a golden or red complexion with four heads and four hands. He's seated in a lotus position, which if you don't know what that is, that's the way people sit who practice yoga, thinking what they're doing is innocent. In Hinduism, Shiva allegedly admonished Brahma for incestuous behavior and chopped off his fifth head and hand for that behavior. And allegedly, Shiva then cursed Brahma for these cravings of his flesh that distracted him from the soul. And the curse was that people would worship Shiva and Vishnu instead of him. And that's why today, if you go into India, there are many, many more temples dedicated to Shiva and Vishnu and very few to Brahma, even though he's the head of their pantheon. And in contrast to all that silliness, Jehovah, the God of the Bible, is just. God is just. If you're able, if you would stand this morning, please, in honor of the Word of God, the title of my thought is God is just. We're only going to read one verse This morning, it is really one of the most significant Old Testament prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, it says these words, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Thank you, might be seated. 500 years before Jesus of Nazareth was born, the prophet Zechariah spoke for God to the people of Israel. 
His ministry, along with that of the prophet Haggai, were to encourage the Jewish people to rebuild the temple that had been leveled by the Babylonians about 70 years earlier. In addition to that practical motivation of the people of God, Zechariah spoke also a great deal about Israel's future. And though Israel today has been blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, God still has a future restoration planned for the nation of Israel. Now many here, as we read that prophecy, I'm sure recognize this to have been fulfilled by Jesus of Nazareth that day when he rode down from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem to a cheering multitude upon a donkey and a donkey's colt. Now I'm told there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies, messianic prophecies, that were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. Some were fulfilled by Jesus' enemies, like gambling over his clothing, piercing him. Others were fulfilled in circumstances beyond his control, like he was born in the tribe of Judah and in the seat of David in the city of Bethlehem. And still others were like this particular prophecy where his disciples did not understand what was going on, but Jesus did understand that when he rode into Jerusalem that day, he was fulfilling this prophecy by Zechariah exactly 483 years to the day from when the Persian king, Artaxerxes, ordered Nehemiah or gave him permission to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Anybody who knew anything about Old Testament messianic prophecy understood that day was a significant day. And here, as we read about the coming Messiah, Jesus as Messiah is described there. It says that he is just in having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Now here Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey because when he came the first time, he humbled himself to be a servant and took upon him the form of a man because he came the first time to die for our sins. When he returns in power and glory, the next time at the end of the seven-year tribulation, he will not be riding meek and lowly upon a donkey. He will instead be riding upon a great white stallion with the armies of heaven behind him to return in judgment God is omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, God is sovereign, God is holy, God is love, and God is just. Because God is just, he handles every situation with perfect equality. What he does is done perfectly and in balance, because God is just. The psalmist said in Psalm 89, 14, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Isaiah said of the Messiah's government that it would be established, quote, with judgment and justice, even forever in Isaiah 9, 7. Jeremiah said of the coming Messiah, a king shall reign in power and prosper, and he shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In Jeremiah 23, 5, our creator, the God of the Bible, Jehovah God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, are a just God. He will justly execute judgment in everything he does. Justice is to be exactly right. Justice is a way of doing things. Justice is to be perfectly fair and balanced. 
Justice is not responding too much, nor is it responding too little. Justice handles every situation with perfect equity. Because God is just, God will not give men special advantage over women in the day of judgment, or vice versa. And though their roles are different in some areas of life, they're equal before God and will both be handled justly. When it comes to judgment, because God is just, God will not give whites special advantage over blacks, or vice versa. Each will receive justice from God. In the mind of God, though not in the mind of men, there's really only one race. Whether we like it or not, or some people like it or not, I should say, because we in a place like this do like it, we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, every race. God will not, because he is just, give special advantage to the rich over the poor, or vice versa. Each will receive justice from God. And quite frankly, the amount of wealth we have, though it means a lot among men, it means nothing to God. The earth and the fullness thereof are the Lord's. All the gold and silver belong to him. They that dwell upon the face of the earth belong to God as well. Your wealth or mine or the wealth of Bill Gates or Elon Musk's or anybody else you can name, Jeff Bezos, it does not matter because God owns it all and will handle everyone justly. Elizabeth Johnson was convicted of witchcraft in 1692, along with many other men and women in Salem, Massachusetts. And because there were some family feuds involved in what was going on, there were 28 individuals from Miss Johnson's family who were convicted of witchcraft. Of the 200 who were sentenced, 19 were hanged and four died in jail. For the most part, the others were given a reprieve. Uh, Elizabeth Johnson was given a reprieve by the governor at that time of Massachusetts because his own wife had been accused of being a witch. But her name was never cleared in her lifetime. Miss Johnson was not actually a witch. She was accused in the fervor of that season. And while many others were exonerated over the years, her name was somehow overlooked until 2022. And in a small add-on to the Massachusetts 2023 budget, Elizabeth Johnson was exonerated 330 years after she was wrongly accused and convicted of being a witch. As is so often the case, man does things that are unjust. And it sometimes takes man many years to recognize his wrong and to do that which is right and just. In contrast to man, however, God always does what is just because God is just. If you'd put up that photo, if you would, uh, Stephen. In our American court system, justice is pictured by a blindfolded lady holding a balance in her hand. Justice means no special breaks, favors, or privileges. Justice is exact and unbiased toward everyone and anything. In an ideal world, there'll be justice for people of every gender, every race, and every creed in every courtroom. But we do not live in that ideal world. In the spiritual realm, justice means that God will fully and appropriately reward all that is good as well as all that is evil. 
God will not give too much in compensation, nor will God bring too little compensation to bear. Have you ever considered that one of the most basic desires of every human being is a desire for justice, for things to be fair? Perhaps when God created man, he put in them a desire for justice. A desire for justice because God is just and because God will handle everything perfectly just. But because people are people, every parent here had their child say to you at one time or another, that's not fair. See, our fallen nature has warped our sense of justice, but it is a desire in both children and adults, not in the animal kingdom, but human children and adults for justice to be done. Hey, when I was in Nicaragua, somebody uh, along the edge of the road, they had a fawn, a deer fawn, over their shoulders, selling it. Now listen, there's a lot of people in this room, you'd buy it not to eat, you'd buy it just to let it go. Somebody was doing that because they're starving. In this life, there is not justice. But we desire justice. Children and adults both desire of justice because God has placed this desire for justice in every human being. There's a reason we're bothered when a politician of either party does something and gets away with it for which you and I would be jailed. There's a reason we're bothered when someone has faithfully done that which is good and right and it goes unnoticed and unrewarded. We don't like that. There's a reason that we're bothered when an innocent child or some uh, older person who is unable to defend themselves is taken advantage of. There's a reason inside us that bothers us. Listen, that does not bother any creature in the animal kingdom. Because you and I and you and I alone are made in the image of our God, our Creator, who is a just God. And though the sense of justice has often been warped by sin and pride and selfishness, the fact remains that we all desire justice. We may not agree on what is just, but God does know what is just because God is just. On October of 2012, Ryan Poston from Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, was shot to death by his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Shana Hubers. And after the trial in Campbell County Court, Hubers was convicted of murder on April 23, 2015, and she was sentenced to 40 years in the Kentucky Department of Corrections. For that conviction, she became parole eligible after 34 years when she would have been 58. Uh, her conviction, though, was overturned on appeal. It was discovered that one of the jurors was a convicted felon. She was tried again. She was convicted of murder again on her second trial in 2018. And this time, instead of 40, year, 40 years, she was sentenced to life imprisonment. And this time, instead of 34 years uh, becoming parole eligible, it was that 20 years at the age of 44. Which sentence was just? See, the varied sentences of Shayla Ubers is just a simple, good example of how man struggles both to know and to do what is truly just, 
We are limited. Man is always limited in his knowledge. Man is always limited in what he can and cannot do. But God, our creator, he knows the whole story. He is not limited in what he can and can't do. And God will do what is just because God is just. There are no loopholes in justice. God handles every situation with perfect equality. What God does is always exactly fair and balanced. God, our creator, is a just God, and he will handle you, he will handle me, he will handle every human being in every situation with perfect equity and justice in judgment. And you can take that slide down because what I'd like to do this morning for a few moments is make some practical applications and observations about the fact that God is just. Please first go in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 45. <clears throat> Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. I just have three applications and observations of the fact that God is just. Say, Brother Wally, I don't like the fact that God is just as much as I liked last week and you preached on the fact that God is love. Hey, you and I don't get to decide what God's like. We only get to decide whether we will learn what God is really like and whether we will believe and follow and love him for who he really is. Here's number one. Justice from God is not something that surprises us. We expect justice from God. Notice Isaiah, as he describes God here in verse 21 of Isaiah 45, it says, Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there's no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Listen, if the Bible is the word of God, then Shiva and Vishnu and Brahma are not God. You say that's not very popular. But listen, I'm just preaching the Bible. There's only one true God, that's Jehovah, the God of the Bible, and that one true God we read in the end of verse 21 is that he is a just God and a Savior. In fact, that one true God who is a just God and a Savior in verse 22, he challenges us, he calls us to look to him and to be saved. Everybody on the earth to look to him to be saved. And though our sin and our fallen nature have warped our conscience and our thoughts toward God, we do still expect justice from God. The justice of God is not on display in our world today, just like the love of God in most cases. We do not see justice in the animal kingdom. We do not see justice in the kingdom of men, but we do expect justice from God, and we will get it because God is just. Listen, if you haven't recognized this, we need to recognize it's a very simple thing. Life isn't fair. Life will never be fair. If you expect life to ever get fair, you have an unreasonable expectation. 
If you're a parent of a child here and you haven't come to teach your child that life is not fair and to teach them how to deal with the injustice of the world, in some way you are leaving them missing something they should have. And though we do not get justice from man, we expect justice from God. And though there are many beings that man has called God, there is only one God, and he is a just God and a Savior. This morning, if you want to be saved, you must look to that one God and his only begotten Son. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that that one God has established to be the Savior of the world. Hey, listen, this isn't just simply from uh, Isaiah and uh, Zechariah, Jesus himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hear me, the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is the only Savior doesn't rest on some things from the Old Testament. It rests from the lips of the greatest individual to ever walk the face of our planet. He is either the only Savior, the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, or he absolutely had no idea of what was going on. And he is that one God and Savior. And though we say we want justice, And though we say we want God to be just, most of the time, we don't really want justice. We want justice for someone who hurts us or our family. But when you or I or someone close to us are the offender, we don't really want justice. And quite frankly, that's why there's so little justice in our world. But even so, we still expect justice from God. Did you know this? that it wasn't just God's love that was on display at Calvary. God's justice was also on display at the cross. I hope you understand, it wasn't just that God so loved the world. It wasn't just that God loved you and I as individuals. It's the fact that our Creator is just. The wages of sin is death. Someone had to die for us if you and I were going to live and God remained just. Uh, someone had to suffer the torments of the second death in hell if a sinner would go to heaven instead of hell. And that's exactly what happened on the cross when Jesus cried out, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hey, listen, some truly innocent blood had to be shed because it is the shedding of blood that is required for the atonement if our sins are going to be forgiven and washed away and God be just and the justifier of those who believe. Please, when you look back on the cross, don't only see the love of God on display, though his love was on display. See also the justice of the loving God displayed on the cross as he turned his back on his perfect son. Hey, don't think for a moment that you'll ever enter the city of God with even one lie on your record. No one with a lie will ever enter that city. No one who's spoken a word of blasphemy. No one who has dishonored their parents. No one who has taken anything that did not belong to them. Hey, God is just. But that justice was satisfied in what Christ paid on the cross for us. And so this morning, if you've not turned to the Lord Jesus to receive Him as Savior, I plead with you to do that. There's a story told about a group of pioneers. They were making their way across the central states and the plains 
to a place out in the west that had been opened up for their homesteading. They were in covered wagons. They were drawn by oxen, and their progress was very slow. One day, as they were traveling with a strong wind into their face, ahead of them they saw a long line of smoke that stretched for miles in the prairie. The wind was quickly moving those flames to them. It became very evident that they could not get away. Thankfully, their leader told them to light the ground and the grass on fire behind them so that the wind would blow and burn that area behind them. And he told them once it was burned to get there where they had burned the grass. As the fire drew closer, a little girl screamed out, Are you sure we won't be burned up? The leader said this, The flames cannot reach us here because we're standing where the fire is already burned. That is a picture of a believer who is safe in Christ. And the fires of God's judgment on our sins have burned themselves out on Jesus on the cross. All who have believed on him are standing safe in the ground that was scorched and burned when he went on the cross and died for our sins. Have you humbled yourself yet to repent? Have you humbled yourself to call upon the name of the Lord? Salvation isn't just simply knowing the facts about Jesus. It is you and I humbly responding by calling upon the Lord from our heart. Thank God, not just for the love, but also for the justice that was on display on the cross so that you and I can be saved through the Lord Jesus. Have you believed on him? Have you actually trusted him yet to receive him? And I hope you will if you've not yet done that. Secondly, this morning, if you go in your Bible to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. I said first, we don't expect justice from man, but we rightly expect justice from God. God is just. And his justice was satisfied in what Christ did on the cross. Here's number two. Because God is a just God, he loves judgment. Now that might strike you a little weird. Psalm 33, verse 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now we will in a future day talk about the righteousness of God in a future day we'll talk about the goodness of God but did you notice as verse 5 begins it says he loveth righteousness and judgment God loves judgment now at times the word judgment is used in the Bible as a synonym for justice and this is one of those God loves justice because God is just justice is to be exactly right justice is a way of doing things justice is perfectly fair and balanced Justice is not responding too much or too little. Justice handles every situation with perfect equity. In fact, turn up a few short chapters to Psalm 37 if that statement shocked you. Notice the psalmist basically repeats the same thing in Psalm 37 in verse 28. It says, For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Again, judgment here is a synonym for justice. The Lord loves justice because God is just. See, today we far too often only associate the judgment of God with punishment for sin. 
And that is accurate. But judgment and justice from God also includes to properly reward that which is good. Now we live in a fallen world where there's no such thing as being perfectly and fully punished for our sins. In that same fallen world, there is no such thing as anyone being perfectly or fully rewarded for their good. But there is a day of perfect justice coming because God is just and he loves judgment. When that day arrives, there will be no more delay for those who rejected his son and they will receive the just recompense for their rejection. And in that day, there will also be no more delay for those being rewarded who did good, who did right, for those who were faithful and those who were true. You see, the day of judgment is a special day for God and man. Because you and I desire justice, and God loves judgment. He loves justice because God is love. In that day, our Creator is looking forward to, He's looking forward to it because He will make everything right that both man and Satan have twisted in the world He created. See, far too often, we don't do good and we don't do right and we're not faithful because we feel like it's too much trouble and because it nearly always goes unnoticed, it often goes unappreciated, and it often goes unrewarded. I've known a lot of people over the years, a lot of teenagers and young adults who started out trying to do what's right, but because what they did that was right, it did not bring them what they hoped. It didn't bring them a boyfriend or girlfriend as quickly as they wanted. It didn't bring them a spouse as quickly as they wanted. It didn't get them the recognition or rewards or, uh, or positions in the church as quickly as they wanted. And they fell victim to the fact that God is going to justly reward all that is good but that's not in this life. Every one of us here have looked around and saw people who willfully and openly defy our Creator and they seem to go unpunished. They seem to be getting away with it. All of us have looked around to see faithful and godly people suffer. Good people. People who have tried to do what's right. People who didn't go into the way this world is going and yet in so many ways their life seems to be difficult and so many ways they have so much trouble and in so many ways it seems like those who are living sinful were really better off than they were. Hear me when I say this simple thing. God is just and payday is coming. But it's not only that God-loving justice means that he will properly and fully reward all that's been done that's good. Lastly this morning, please, if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I hope reading Proverbs is a part of your regular routine. The book of Proverbs is the book of the wisdom of God, and James tells us that if we want wisdom, we need to ask God for wisdom. And God doesn't give us wisdom by setting the Bible on our forehead before we go to sleep at night. God gives us wisdom by reading His Word. God gives us wisdom by getting wise counsel and instruction from those who are a little more seasoned in life or uh, a little more gifted in a certain area. But as we think about applying and observing things that are related to the fact that God is just, Lastly, this morning, because God is just, believers should try to be just. 
to handle situations as fairly and with as much balance as we possibly can. Whether you're aware of this or not, justice is a recurring theme in Proverbs. And as you and I, as we seek godly wisdom for how to believe, how to live our life, remember, if you want to be saved, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That takes care of eternal life. But understand, there are a lot of people who are true believers that live painful lives. Now, you're saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, but our life is blessed and our life goes better when we understand what God has told us about how to live that life. I don't know about you, I don't want to just have a saved soul and a messed up life. I want a saved soul and I want a blessed life. The way we handle justice as an individual is directly linked to God's blessing in our life. By the way, you say, why? Because God is just. You and I don't get to pick what God blesses in life. So I'm going to play video games for four hours a day and God's going to bless my life. No, your brain's going to rot and your body's going to swell. Amen. Now listen, I just got back from every meal eating beans and uh, red beans and rice. Every meal. Every meal. In the morning, we'd have, uh, I think it's punto gallo. I'm terrible at language. Uh, In the morning, we'd get eggs with red beans and rice. At lunch, we would get some kind of meat with red beans and rice. In the evening, we would get some kind of fruit with red beans and rice. You and I, if we want to have a blessed life, we need to feed the right things. We need to do the right things. Notice how God links his blessing with us being just as individuals. Beginning in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth, blesseth the habitation of the just. Because God is just, he blesses the home of people who are just. Turn up a few pages to chapter 9. Because God is just, people who are just are better learners. I'd like to be a good learner, amen? Uh, Look at chapter 9 and verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. If you are just, you learn better. Uh, Because God is just, people who have lived just lives will be remembered more fondly. Look at chapter 10 and verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Hey, there's not a person here who wouldn't like to be fondly remembered when we finish here. Living a just life is part of that. By the way, if you're getting the idea that you and I striving to be as just as possible is a good thing for us, then you're getting the right idea. Notice in chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Because God is just, people who are just speak more wisely than those who are not. Chapter 20. By the way, I like it that you need to bring your Bible to Bible Baptist Church. We don't dim the lights so you can't see your Bible. So I will look at my Bible on the phone because it's backlit. You can do that, but listen, you're not going to make notes in your 
phone. You will in your Bible. Listen, I use my phone Bible every single day for something. But there's nothing like having a copy to write in. Because God is just, God blesses the children of parents who are just. Look at chapter 20 and verse 7. By the way, this is a promise I claimed all the time when we were raising our children. It says, a just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Notice first that justice produces integrity and that the parent of those who are just and live with integrity, it blesses your children. What parent doesn't want to have blessed children? God links blessings with justice. Lastly, just turn, turn up to chapter 24, verse 16. People who are just will be better at getting back up when they fall. Hey, listen, you're going to fall. We either stay down or we get back up. Proverbs 24, verse 16 it says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So if you and I were writing this, you know what we would write? The just man never falleth. That's how we would write it. Because that's how we think life should be. I do what's right, therefore nothing bad happens to me. In reality, even the just are going to fall multiple times. But when you live a just life, you will better be able to get up and go at it again. Again, if you're getting the idea that you and I striving to be as just as possible is good for us, you're getting the right idea. Hey, we might not like what God chooses to bless, but he chooses to bless and help people in a special way who seek to live justly. By the way, you don't have to be wealthy to live justly. You don't have to be a man to live justly. You don't even have to be an adult to live justly. To live justly is simply a choice that you and I make as a follower of Jesus. It means we should appropriately award, reward that which is good, not too much, not too little. And some parents and bosses and leaders, they only reward bad behavior and wrongdoing. That's not justice. Justice means we should appropriately punish lawbreakers and wrongdoing, not too much, not too little. Listen, some parents, bosses, and leaders, they only reward that which is good. And that's not justice either. Hey, you can pick your strategy of parenting. You get to do that. But you don't get to pick what God blesses. You can live your life any way you want. God made us free, and that's exactly why wicked people do wicked things. That's why some who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are like the prodigal, and they go into a far country even though they're a son. And that's why others who believe stay in the field with a bad attitude, just like the older brother. You and I pick how we will live, but Jesus, our God, our Creator, He picks what He blesses, and He blesses justice. Because God is just, we should strive to be just as parents and to our parents. Some teenagers, you're just a taker, a sponge. Some adults are like that still with their parents too. We're supposed to be just in dealing with our children. Parents, not just taxis. Not just an open hand full of money. We're supposed to be just with those who follow or look to us. We're not supposed to take advantage of our position. 
In fact, what I would say to you this morning, deciding to be a just person is one of the most important qualities of a leader of any sort. We're supposed to be just in our dealings with the government. That's different from lying to them and cheating them. We're supposed to be just in our business dealings. That's different from paying less than we should, cheating on our hours. We're supposed to be just because our great God is just. And being just and seeking justice is important if you and I would be followers of the one true God because God is just. Would anyone who knows you well consider you to be someone who tries to be a just person? God blesses those who choose to live just. So let me ask you this morning, do you need to be saved? Christ satisfied the just demands of a holy God. You need to come to Christ. This morning, if you're a believer, do you need to just get your head back up? And know that though man never does justice, and that there's no justice in this world, and that life will never be fair, you need to get your head back up because God in heaven has a day of justice coming and everything will be properly rewarded, whether it's good or evil. If you're a believer here this morning, do you need to build more justice in your life? Listen, it, was be, it will be a choice. By the way, no one ever appreciates mercy without understanding what justice is. No one actually appreciates grace without understanding what justice is. And places all over America who rightly talk about the mercy and grace of God and fail to talk about the holiness and the righteousness and justice of God, they leave a bunch of people not really appreciating what God has given them when he gave them mercy and grace in Christ. Maybe this morning you need to build more justice. I encourage you to do that because God blesses justice. You'd quietly stand.